Uncle Owen! It's R2 unit has a bad motivator, look! Having trouble with your drug? Your drug? These two droids. Both are hard working and will serve you well. Droid. 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 We serve their kind here. You are listening to We Serve Droids. I'm Scott. And I'm Chris. And the wait is over. Yes, the most eagerly anticipated review of The Rise of Skywalker is finally here. (laughs) (laughs) You jumped my joke, Chris. Uh, I'm sorry. What what else is new? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say that uh, the movie from our beloved franchise has has come out to, to many bad reviews, but nonetheless, we're here to talk about cats. (laughs) so right i feel like this is is a divisive movie is that fair to say that's that's the impression i get um i mean i i just i wasn't able to really avoid just at least you know headlines of you know reviews in my you know newsfeed on my phone but i didn't really read anything but yeah just just from reading headlines it appears that it's been uh yeah (laughs) so I don't want people to be angry, you know, listening to We Serve Droids, trying to figure out if we're going to be on their side or against theirs. So let's delay the serious talk with a with a quick little banter fodder. What do you say? <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> so uh, I'm not exactly sure when this episode will come out. We may we may put it out a little bit early, but it'll still be within the the 12 days of Christmas. And I was thinking, Chris, if you were going to set up your nativity with star wars action figures <laughs> who we would have play the various uh members of of the holy family oh this is great um so um right i mean baby jesus i think this mm. is a slam dunk right i mean gotta be baby yoda yeah baby yoda in the manger the the floating manger or uh, <laughs> whatever that thing whatever you call that thing Right, right. And let me just plug the, uh, in theory, been recently released We Serve Droids Christmas sing-along. If you haven't heard that, you should you should, uh, should download that. So what about a Mary and a Joseph? Hmm. I'm tempted to, to cast um, Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan just because of the, uh, the beard. Uh, there's that famous meme about when I think someone replaced like a picture of him like in their parents' house. That looks like a photo of Jesus. <laughs> yeah, put the Obi-Wan in the Jesus frame. That's yeah. great. I don't know. Off the top of my head, I'd say uh, maybe Obi-Wan and Padme. Yeah, pregnant Padme seems like the obvious choice. The, Shmi's probably the, the better, or maybe the more, I don't know, relevant oh, choice. Oh, yeah, we've got to put Shmi. Yeah. You know, she says that she conceived him without a father. Qui-Gon later calls it like a virgency. Oh, really? He says something like that. He says it that, like, to the council or something. Like, via his little walkie-talkie. <laughs> and I'd have loved, like, Shmi to be in the background and been like, well, I, I didn't say that. <laughs> I've laid lots of times. Don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> right. So, yeah, Shmi and, and, and Obi-Wan, I like that. For the shepherds, I'm thinking it's got to be a bunch of Ewoks. Mm-hmm. That's solid. They got the little spears instead of the crooks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wicked W. Warwick back in there. Watching their, their Gorax at night. 
<laughs> so what about your your wise men? Magi from the east. Hmm. That's a good... Like, Here's some contenders. Okay. The funny hat guys that accompany the Emperor in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, that's... that's yeah, those are even match most of the illustrations, I think. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, of course, just the Jedi Council. Yeah. And maybe spider brain in a jar monsters from Jabba's palace. Very wise. <laughs> Weren't they like monks or something? <laughs> yeah. The oh, Bo- Bobomar or whatever. So who do you like for your wise men? Mm, I'm leaning funny hat guys. That struck me as very appropriate off the bat. Maybe a couple things left, right? We need we need an angel. Mm-hmm. Of course, Padme looks like an angel, we're told. Yes. So, right, we have Shmi, so it's got to be Padme, right? Yeah, yeah. Padme it is. And then uh, we need some some manger animals, right? Let's see. Got to get some porgs in there. Um, let's see. What else? Um, some of the... Uh, uh, some of Luke's... Um, I've already forgotten what they're called. Luke's milk, 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 uh, manatees. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Thala Sirens. Thala Siren, thank you. Right, some porgs, some Thala Sirens, and maybe mm. one of those big cows that Anakin surfs. Yeah. <laughs> You've got yourself a, a holy knight. If you get the deluxe manger set, maybe like a bantha for good measure, like outside. Yeah, the funny hat guys could ride the banthas, like the, they could be the camels. Oh, uh, yeah. Good plan. Who's your uh, Who's your King Herod condemning all the children to death? Well, <laughs> uh, when it comes to killing children, there's really only only one answer. <laughs> Thinking about Star Wars, I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, if that's too obvious, um, no, I think it's right. Yeah, definitely Anakin for for our King Herod. All right, well. That's uh, hopefully all of our listeners, uh, no matter what they celebrate, I uh, hope they're having a, a great holiday season, and we can jump right into Rise of Skywalker. It's a life day miracle. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to know exactly where to go with this, but I thought before we do this sort of scene-by-scene stuff we normally do, I'd like us just to go big picture what we liked, what we didn't like, from sort of mile-high perspective. Okay. The title crawl seemed to be maybe on point in regards to, like, the, uh, I don't know, the uh, the type, like, the text or the, uh, what am I trying to say? <laughs> Went for a long night when what you liked is the font. <laughs> yeah. I, it's been a while since I've seen a title crawl. Maybe that's why, but... It's like uh, uh, the recommendation letter that says the the job candidate is punctual and yeah you know, wears work attire. <laughs> I can I can I know Office very proficient in Office. I can open Excel. I mean, I like the like you know the mysterious broadcast, the sinister voice. Um, you know, Ray, the last hope of the Jedi. You know, the mm-hmm. diabolical First Order. That that kind of stuff that seemed on point to me. I like that since they had already let the Emperor cat out of the bag, like, it's just in the, in the text. You know, it's, it's it didn't spoil anything. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I kind of wish we could have gotten some kind of reveal there, but hey, it works. The trailer already spoiled it, so the, the title crawl really isn't. Hey, Chris, if you judge a movie by trying to give you big reveals, 
I think that you're going to have really liked this movie. <laughs> Palp still being alive just felt like such a monumentous sort of thing. Like a, mm. I don't know. Anyway. Do you think it, that was too, was that too big to just give us in text? Like a, oh, by the way, your mom and I are getting a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe it goes back to, you know, the whole show don't tell thing. But mm-hmm. that's that's kind of where I'm landing on it. That was fun. Uh, X-Gall was fun. Just kind of a, like another barren wasteland of a planet with a giant, like, cube on it. Uh, mm. Sith Temple. I don't know what some of the stuff you were, you were thinking about. So stuff that I liked was the Kylo Ren arc of this mm-hmm. movie. I thought that was done really well. Like where, like his whole story, I thought was the best part of this movie. I thought the lightsaber stuff was cool. Yeah. I thought Ray's pull to the dark side. And this is all stuff we'll, we'll maybe can go more into detail later, mm-hmm. but the sort of attraction to the dark side isn't often very well motivated in these movies. Take the original trilogy. Like, what is it? When do you ever think like, oh yeah, Luke is going to turn evil? Yeah. There's really no incentive for him to go over aside from the, the lure of power itself, that kind of thing. Right. It didn't seem like that was going to be attracted to him. And then Anakin, it, it, you know, they give us some reasons, but I, I think we've all. Yeah. I mean, it was at least like a more personal reason. That kind of right. Thing. And even then, it was still not totally managed well. Yeah. I thought, for whatever reason, from a character perspective, I thought the pull was a little more believable in this movie. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. The last sort of thing that I'll say I liked about this movie is that, and it goes back to the Kylo Ren arc, if you were to look at all three trilogies from a bird's eye perspective, the most interesting thing to me would be this comparison between Anakin, who turns to the dark side... Luke, who resists the dark side, and Ben Solo, who comes back from the dark side. Mm. Uh, So it sort of has this idea that, you know, we keep sort of telling and living the same story with minor, but yet cosmically important differences. So it has this sort of like nothing is new, but nothing is the same. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. And all that said, I think that and we'll get into a lot of a lot of complaints I'm going to have about Rise of Skywalker. I think that that. (laughs) Could have, I think even that thing that I said was really good could have been a lot better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sure we'll get it. Yeah. So what about like big picture didn't likes for you? Big picture. It, this felt like this was JJ's second and third movies just crammed into the third movie maybe a little bit. Too many notes, your majesty. Exactly. Very well put. Too many notes. I felt like one of the MacGuffins could have probably gotten rid of and just dealt with finding... Like, the, not the MacGuffin that leads to the MacGuffin. Yes, absolutely. Um, not to say that, you know, the, all the different planets were very cool and fun to be in, but I don't think that warrants it just going there for just because it was interesting. I mean, I felt like it kind of maybe threw the Episode Eight baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. It, it didn't seem to want to maybe build on anything. So... For me, the sort of big picture stuff I, I did not like, uh, and I mean, you mentioned it sort of, I, I don't like this, like, follow the clue kind of plot. Yeah. Gotta get artifact A to find artifact B to get to place C. I don't even like that kind of plot. And then I think it was done badly. So mm. if you just want to go full cheesy, you know, Nicolas Cage national treasure, <laughs> you know, that's, that's fun. But if you want to take yourself even just a little bit more seriously than that, these those kinds of plots always fall apart at the seams, I think. 
Yeah. It would have been better with one less, but yeah, I mean, if mm-hmm. it was, wasn't there altogether, I think that would have been a better basis for this movie. <laughs> yeah. I could have lived with just one. You would, you know, you had, you had correctly said to just count on it happening. Um, but the retconning Ray, for what I see is kind of no reason. We can chat a lot about that later. Mm. And then, I mean, you mentioned throwing the episode eight baby out with the bathwater. I think that's a really good way to put it. I mean, down to like, we don't even want like Rose and Porgs in this movie. Yeah. I don't think, and you can, you know, you can try to convince me that I'm wrong here. I don't think this movie has any interesting themes. Gosh, like I hate doing this thing where we're going to compare this movie to The Last Jedi all the time. I don't know how you don't do that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, yeah, it's hard not to. If someone said, hey, what are the themes of The Last Jedi? I could very quickly say something like failure is a major theme of the, la-. you know, every character makes major mistakes. Every single one of them. You know, what how they handle doing that is, is a theme. The master-apprentice relationship is a major theme of that movie. Having to make your own destiny is a major theme of that movie. He said, what's the themes of Rise of Skywalker? I'd say friends are good. <laughs> I don't know. Um, conclusions. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, reaching wrap, the end. Wrapping things up. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we can jump into this, right? Sounds good. What, sir? What have we here? What, sir? Oh, what a mess. With the glass shield down, I can't even see. What, sir? These aren't the droids you're looking for. Have you seen this movie once or twice? I've only seen it once. Uh, I had something, so I wasn't able to see it a second time before, before we recorded. Yeah, same here. And, I mean, I apologize in advance. We're going to get details wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm heavily relying on... Um, my uh, memory corroborated with a uh, synopsis on the internet. <laughs> right. Uh, it starts off, right? Does it start off with like Kylo kind of lightsabering those dudes? Yeah. Just, just go tearing through some guys. Um, I've seen something claim that was Mustafar, but I'm not sure about that. Yeah. So I guess he was going to get the wayfinder. Mm-hmm, yeah. Or a way, the other wayfinder. Yes. Which, I mean, back to your point about this this thing being silly about why you'd want to have this to begin with. Like, <laughs> like if there's just two wayfinders out there, I guess it, I guess it would make sense that Vader would have one on Mustafar and the Emperor would have one in his little Emperor like hidey hole in the Death Star or something like that. But even still, I don't know. Ugh. Yeah, I, I guess if you're really into the whole Sith rule of two, it makes sense to have two of them. Yeah. Mm. But, I mean, can't you just tell people where it's at? Yeah, I mean, it's, if, if the two people who need to know know, then let's, yeah. Maybe the Emperor is really getting, uh, you know, a little forgetful in his, in his old age. <laughs> well, we will definitely talk more about that. Uh, um, <laughs> or not so much. Anyway, like he gets the Wayfinder, plugs it into, uh, it's, it's compatible with, with Thai GPS, thankfully. So you just plug <laughs> that bad boy right in. And uh, I think he, he makes it to Exegol, is that right? And we get this cool Sith temple. I got the impression that, like, the the thing on top was something newer and that he kind of descends into, like, old Sith temple. Oh, that's kind of cool. Like, um, like, you know, like, you go to Jerusalem and the old city is, like, kind of below. Like, you got to excavate the old stuff. Like, the new, like, newer, newer, like, eras just built on top of old ones. I like that. 
so you've got you know the the thing pooping out star destroyers on top of it and like the uh the uh well of souls snake pit beneath it <laughs> that kind of thing <laughs> right so um uh, yeah my brother was calling it sith mordor <laughs> i like that <laughs> right here we get our our old pal Emperor Palpatine. Yeah, I wish I wish we had a copy of this. I want to see. I wanted to see how long it was, like from movie start to how many minutes in, where before Palps is, is here and, and talking to us. It's fast. Yeah, it's <laughs> really quick. It is as fast as the Emperor is furious. <laughs> so, uh... so like walking in, we get like the the vat of like Snoke clones, <laughs> some like weird kind of guys just kind of scurrying about doing stuff down there. It's like those vats from Alien Resurrection with, like, the the Ellen Ripley clones that didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> like, please kill me ones. Yeah. <laughs> I just think, like, compared to the Camino ones, these guys are the worst cloners in the world. <laughs> like, if our Snoke was the Snoke that, like, was good, how bad are the bad ones? Because <laughs> our Snoke was, like, falling apart. Like, yeah. out of the gate. Right. Like, I don't. I don't know why, sir. We just we keep cloning him. And all, this, all this crap just stays. Do you have to clone him with mouth cancer right out yeah. the gate? Okay, <laughs> maybe fix that, like in utero. Uh, shouldn't have shouldn't have wiped out all the communions before you had the uh, the process down. <laughs> They're cloners. Damn good ones too. On the one hand, I kind of loved seeing these test tube Snokes. I thought it was pretty fun. On the other hand, it was, like, the first clue that was, like, oh, Abrams still wants to pay off everything he wanted to set up. Like, yeah. like he wanted Snoke's reveal to be, a mis- to be a big thing, and it's not now, but he still has to give it to us. Yeah. Shoehorn this in here. <laughs> you don't think it was, like, a Venture Brothers thing? Like, whenever every, every time a Snoke dies, he just pops out a new one, and we just got tired of it this time. Yeah, I don't know. Are the Snokes like, you know, like they were trying to clone the Emperor and got a Snoke instead? Or yeah, I don't. That's another thing. Like, why? Why? What is the need for for a Snoke? <laughs> that's that's a that's the first part of that question. Is it's gonna be a the third host if we serve droids tonight? <laughs> <laughs> what is the need for? So. Uh... So, uh, I mean, we don't see him in all his glory till the end of the movie, but we know what he looks like. You had famously hoped for Mecha Palpatine. Does this count? Uh, it's really unclear. Like, he's he's on that big arm at the end, but like, I'm, I'm guessing it's maybe keeping him alive, or I, I really don't know. They were really glossed over some of this stuff. We can get into this later if you want. Man, Death's treating the Emperor great. Yeah, he looks way better. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I'm just I want I want like a side by side like of like episode six Palpatine and episode nine Palpatine like before he grows all his fingers back. <laughs> that finger scene was gross. <laughs> yeah, in the in the like how good does Palpatine look spectrum? I, so from you know this is your Vogue magazine hot to not ranking of Palpatines. I'm going to say episode one and two Palpatine hottest. Then I'm going to say Mecha Palpatine here. Yeah, I, I think he looks better than episode three, like, like end of episode three Palpatine in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think 
Return of the Jedi Palpatine is sexier than Episode Three Palpatine. <laughs> so Return of the Jedi yeah. Palpatine is still still hotter than like corduroy faced, you know, melty Episode Three Palpatine. And then at the very bottom is the not in the movie anymore, you know, original edition Empire Strikes Back Humpty Dumpty <laughs> Palpatine with like an egg for an eye. It just been he's just been like in like a day spa for like the last thirty five years or so, just getting uh <laughs> getting a lot of work done. It's like Yoda getting all those mud baths and, and Dagobah every day. <laughs> um, so I have no idea how there's a Palpatine here. Do you like? Does the movie make any kind of statement on this at all? No, I mean it's it's like the the finger regrow a bit later seems to indicate this this is the OG Palpatine. And I, I don't I don't understand how that happens. I don't understand how that is. No, it doesn't make much sense at all. It, it, things cut both ways. On the one hand, you're right. It looks like if they were a, a start from scratch Palpatine, why would he have to be hooked up to this, like, ventilator? Yeah. But if it's not a start from scratch Palpatine, like, where, you know, where did he come from? Because it's like how, was it Rasputin that was like, Poisoned, shot, and drowned, and mm. all before he actually died. Yeah. Right? I mean, Palpatine was, I mean, he had some of his kind of lightning redirected on him, then he got chucked off a chasm, and then he got, like, blue energy, and then the Death Star got blown up, and then the Ewoks peed on the ashes of the Death Star, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, speaking I mean, speaking of things that, that blew up that shouldn't still be there, <laughs> talking about the Death Star... <laughs> well, sure, sure. We'll, we can get to that in a bit, I guess. Right. I mean, is there like uh <laughs> is there that scene from Jurassic Park where some guy finds like the mosquito and ember <laughs> oh. <laughs> on 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 one of the moons of Endor, like drills into the mosquito and gets like uh palpatine DNA <laughs> Spared no expense. <laughs> where did you get yeah. snook from? From your blood. What? <laughs> I'm the kind of person that doesn't need everything explained to me, but if you see a guy die and then he's not dead. So Snoke's origin, for example, is something that I'm happy to have a backstory for, but I was never really like needed it. Yeah, it's 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 more than plausible that he could exist, sure. When people complained like, "Oh, we don't know where Snoke came from." I always thought, "Well, whatever. He's just this dude who likes Hanging out in a bathrobe. Get with it. But when you watch the guy die and he comes back, Chewbacca, we need like more of an explanation <laughs> than we get. But I'm with you. The whole the whole Sith planet, ex eczema, yeah. exegol. What is it called? I like eczema. That's his fingers, and they get all blown yeah. to smithereens later. Look, Scott. The dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities some would consider to be unnatural. <laughs> I love getting that line back. That's that's all the explanation you're getting. To the other side of the equation, he says something like, I've died before. Yeah. Which made me think that this was not um, a surviving brain. Maybe they just, like, scooped up some goo and, you know, like, played... Uh, <laughs> what was the, did they play some music for that goo in, in uh, oh, Ghostbusters 2? Um, <laughs> they got some ectoplasmic residue. Yeah, they, they put them in a toaster and they played some 
uh, whatever they played in Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, they just should have sprayed one of those giant Sith statues with his residue and <laughs> let it walk around the city. Why are my drippings with goo? So he's gone to all this trouble to survive and then just wants someone to kill him. <laughs> Yeah, you'll love that. Like, I've, I've, I've been working on this stuff for decades, and I always want, always want someone to take it over here. I'm I'm, I'm basically immortal, but eh, I'm whatever. I didn't know the Sith were so much like the Highlanders. <laughs> there can be only two. I mean, some of this might have been cut between it. I don't really remember, but we've got Ray training mm-hmm. on, like, Jungle Planet. Yeah. Jungle Moon. Jungle Mooney, get down, get down. Jungle Mooney, get down, get down. Uh, the the I think the actual name of the planet is even stupider. <laughs> it's like Agent Kloss, which sounds like a character name they just put on a planet by mistake. Agent Kloss sounds like the name of the world's worst Christmas movie, <laughs> where Santa is a spy. The name is Kloss. <laughs> Santa Claus. You get the training stuff. You got the Falcon going to the uh, space iceberg. Yeah, and that guy who yells, "Win the war!" Yeah. That's kind of silly. And he, he lived happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> Did he just get blown to, blown to smithereens after I, that? I, I think his head gets tossed in a table. <laughs> like oh the movie. yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's gruesome. I, I, I know, right? That's like one of the most gruesome things to happen in Star Wars ever. Yeah, that's up there with Chewie eating guys. At least they didn't show it. (laughs) So uh, that scene also includes, how should I put this, world-breaking use of hyperspace. (laughs) Yeah, just a little bit. Whatever. It's the last movie. We We can do whatever we want now. Like, if you can hyperspace jump from inside one atmosphere to inside another atmosphere, why do they have spaceships at all? (laughs) There's no reason to go into outer space. Yeah. Just go directly to your destination. (laughs) Everyone who complained about the Holdo Maneuver should be angry about this. That's all I'm saying. At least least the Holdo Maneuver was, I don't know, based in what the quote-unquote foundations of, of light speed as we see it in the movie but yeah anyway anyway <laughs> the, anyway the fourth host if we serve droids tonight <laughs> right the gang's all back together here on on the jungle moon mm-hmm. get down, get down. we find out that what a a spy if a, a spy in the ranks of the first order has has learned is that the emperor is alive mm-hmm. and that's when Ray is able to to find these notes and the the sacred Jedi texts about Luke's attempt to track down Exegol, Le- Leia's not on board for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, and what this made me think of is a lot of people were a little upset about the depiction of Luke in the Last Jedi as someone they didn't like, and I would like to object to the depiction of Luke. As someone who writes in the margins of library books, <laughs> he was he was very uh, very upset about the sacred texts in the last movie, and yet we find that he's just he's that guy. 
<laughs> it's been dog ear in the library book. I know. The, the, the sacred library book. Writing in the marginalia may be quicker, easier, and, and more seductive. <laughs> that's a path to the dark side if there ever was one. I thought you were going somewhere else with that initially. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, say it, and it's, if it's better, I'll cut it in. Oh, no, no. I was, just, I was gonna, I'm, I'm going to object to some of the depictions of Leia in this movie. <laughs> It's hard to know how to grade that, given yeah. that they had to work with what they have. Mm-hmm. It was a little awkward, but I thought when Carrie Fisher's on the screen, she was good. I mean, when it's actually her, I think, like, I'm almost positive they had to CGI her face onto, like, someone else's, like, a body double in some some parts, and that, that just did never really looked right to me, but... Yeah, and a lot of awkward, like, filming over-the-shoulder mm-hmm. kind of yeah. stuff. It was hard not to notice that, but... Mm-hmm. Props for, you know, going for it. Their plan is to, you know, despite Leia's objections, to to pick up Luke's search where the trail went cold. So they're going to have to go to the party planet of Pasana. (laughs) This planet's single ecosystem is a party. (laughs) I like that. It it beats having to deal with another desert planet. Maybe the the, the party just keeps, like, goes around the planet, like, once every, whatever, 40-something years or whatever they said. The movie. Oh, you did not do the math in your head, Chris. What's that? This was the first moment of my... Uh, this was my first groan in the movie. Oh, what's that? It's once every 42 years. Mm-hmm. What happened 42 years ago in our world? Uh, uh yeah. Star Wars came out. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't put that together. I thought it was like a maybe a subtle hitchhiker reference or something. That I could have... That I would have been excited about, Yeah. Judging, I'm pretty sure it's the other thing. Uh, I'm pretty sure you're right, too. Let's see. R2's not going because reasons. And... Rose is not going because of reasons. Yeah. Rose has to do her homework, I think, or whatever they <laughs> whatever they tell her she has to do. Chris, um, who dislikes Rose more, you or J.J. Abrams? Man, I think J.J. I think Abrams. <laughs> I don't I'm, think it's even close. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you did everything but do like the um, like the the mashed off screen death kind of thing, like their their X wing spun in. There were no survivors, that kind of thing. Jeez, <laughs> that was. Uh, uh, we'll talk about that at the end. Who we got? C three PO, Finn, Poe, Ray, Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. It's party time. And who else is there for reasons? Is Lando <laughs> so? Was as Lando just he mentions like having look, been looking for it before with Luke? Has he just been there partying this entire time? He got <laughs> is, left behind. Is he? Is he? Um. Yeah. Is he? Is he? Was it Slurms McKenzie or whatever <laughs> that that worm was called from Futurama? Yes. I'm so tired of partying. So very tired. So Lando's been living his best life these past many years. That makes way more sense. I could not figure out why the heck of all the people Lando would be there. I'm kind of surprised he wasn't wearing still the Return of the Jedi, like, uh, disguise. <laughs> the, uh, oh, the guard disguise? Yeah, pull, pull the face mask down yeah. and look around disguise. <laughs> I think it cuts out somewhere in here. We get the, uh, oh, Kylo Ren's got to get his groove back. So he's gets um the hairiest welder to uh, stitch his helmet back together, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I never liked the helmet, but I thought this was kind of fun. Yeah, it's, it gives it a, a... I mean, I think it's a better look for it, weirdly. Again, I'm not so sure what the, the 
point of it is. Yeah, he's rededicating himself to evil, I guess, despite like straight up <laughs> murdering a bunch of people like in the opening opening sequence of the movie. I mean, is it just to Abrams like, no, I like the helmet. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Uh, I mean, can we get the J.J. Abrams, Ryan Johnson, odd couple movie? <laughs> that classic trope where like one of them was like changing something and one of them walks off off you know like in like another room and the other one comes back into the room and like changes it again and it's back and forth back and forth mm-hmm. yeah it's gonna end with the uh this is my side of the apartment that's yours tape yes is this where kylo and ray force time each other again i think so like is that how he's able to track ray to the party planet to I pasana be- i believe so because they uh yeah that necklace comes through this uh, New Year's noisemaker only occurs in once every 42 years in Pasana. It's like, sir, the, the party levels in this thing are off the charts. <laughs> Not even Jedi Master Yoda has party levels this high. And we get a fun a fun little little ch- auto chase after out of this, right? Yeah. First order is everywhere and speeder bikes aren't good enough anymore. They, they have like a 100% fatality rate, so <laughs> you, have to, you have to use these, <laughs> these things that stay on the ground now. It's not a motorcycle, baby. It's a chopper. Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. I mean, it was fun. Like, it's, I mean, it's, if anything, it's the only reason why it's, like, be okay with just keeping the the dagger bit in there. Like, that was a cool bit, but, yeah. We're at the dagger now. You better have those units from the South Lanes repaired by midday or it'll be hell to pay. We'll see you in hell. See you in hell. Go into quicksand. Uh, somehow it just hasn't sunk into the cavern below it. But hey, whatever. <laughs> We're here to find this thing that that Luke searched and searched and couldn't find. And oh, oh, there it is. There it is, <laughs> right next to those those robot bones or whatever that guy was. <laughs> yeah, I, this was the second time I I groaned. It's hard to find this thing, but we literally it's the first thing we found. Yeah. It made me actually remember from A New Hope, Leia saying, like, they must have let us escape. It's the only <laughs> thing that explains the ease. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm inclined to agree. This dagger has been stabbing me in the mind ever since I saw the movie. <laughs> when I left the theater, I still wasn't sure, like, was that dagger belong to Ray's parents or who... And it made just be my own stupidity, right? Maybe all the other viewers understood it better than I did. But it, you know, we come to find out later, it belonged to the, I guess, like, Sith hunter who'd been commissioned by Palpatine to kill Ray's, Ray's parents and bring Ray to him, right? Yeah. Um, but it's, I don't get why <laughs> why that guy... Fell into quicksand. I mean, well, that, I mean, like, why did he, one, need to know how to find a wayfinder to bother to inscribe it onto a dagger? <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Was it, assuming he, like, you think he was one of those things like, well, I, ancient Sith just looks cool. This means strength or something. <laughs> just. <laughs> Oops, I accidentally had the location to, yeah. <laughs> to, to the wayfinder. Yeah, it's, it's one of those, like, uh, like Japanese tattoos or Chinese tattoo symbols that 
mm-hmm. need something else. Also, another thing that I didn't get in the movie is that, right, the, I mean, the internal chronology of Star Wars is always kind of hard to hold in your head. Mm-hmm. And so, I did this math after the fact. Ray is born 11 years after Return of the Jedi. Okay. Her parents flee Jakku, and in a flashback, we see her, and I thought she looked to be about five years old yeah, in that scene, there. give or take. Which puts us about 16 years after Return of the Jedi, when this very dagger is used to kill her parents. Mm-hmm. Now, he was sent by Palpatine. So this is like Mecha Palpatine at Exegol sending the Sith Hunter. So he's sending him from Exegol with a dagger that includes a map of how to get to the map of how to get to Exegol. And, and, and to what to what purpose? <laughs> right. That's the, that's what I can't get. I tried to think like well, maybe he needs to know how to like get back to the Emperor. But if the Emperor is the one who sent him, I don't quite get why he needs a clue. Unless he was doing it through all these intermediaries. But the guy knows how to speak Sith. So he's got to be pretty close to Palpatine. I don't know. Maybe it's in the, the Sith bylaws or something. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. It's this dumb Riddler yes. bullshit. Oh, I, I said the exact same thing. <laughs> We all know how this quizzical criminal operates. He deliberately leaves clues to confound us. So, I think based on the translation of the dagger, it says like it's sealed in some kind of imperial vaults or whatever, like on a moon in the indoor system. But it's in the Death Star wreckage. Imperial vaults is a strong, <laughs> it's a strong word for <laughs> yeah, quite a claim. Yeah, imperial vaults. Okay, five star hotel indeed. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, the Yelp review for yeah. the, the Death Star wreckage <laughs> on that dagger is a bit misleading. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, ugh. I, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I'm, I'm beyond confused at this point. I mean, if you just want to do a whole, a wizard did it, and you want to go full omniscient Palpatine, I hate doing this. Maybe you just got to head cannon it away and say Palpatine did it so that Ray could find the dagger. Yeah. Gross, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's the only thing that makes sense. So my other question about this godforsaken dagger is how on earth does Luke track it to the party planet? Yeah, that's. I don't think that's explained at all. It's just, oh, he was tracking it and here's where he left off. Where he gave up. How did he know, short of knowing that the Emperor was alive and was trying to find... I mean, like, short of knowing, short of omniscient Luke, how does he know that there is this thing? That How does he know there's a dagger that tells you how to get to the Wayfinder? Yeah. Right? Because it's made it seems like the Jedi texts record the Wayfinder, which is weird enough, but whatever, I'll grant that. But how do you get the knowing that the thing to the Wayfinder is here when the way it got here was some guy who was sent by Palpatine to kill Ray's parents as the one who took it there? Yeah. Like, well, after 16 Palpatine. years after Return of the Jedi. Exactly. It, it almost seems like Luke has to know that Palpatine's still out there in some form, which I don't, I don't get his, his actions don't make sense at that point. No, not at all. Not to the point of like, 
oh, well, I guess I'll just give up looking for him. Yeah. I, this whole dagger is, I don't know. I, I've complained about this. I didn't want this review to turn into be, me being angry and, and this dagger is doing that. Um, I think it's also just like, it's very funny that of all the places to like write your map, like <laughs> is the dagger, like Palpatine's version of like a post-it note. <laughs> Is Palpatine's like grocery list on the like the next dagger in that cave? And so just like uh he just uh writes it on a dagger and then like instead of like sticking it to the fridge, just like stabs it into a guy. <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Oh man. I wish that I could sink all the way through this quicksand scene. But I've got another thing in this quicksand that's getting me. This is where we get a narrative Chekhov's gun that never fires. And that's the, what was Finn going to say to Ray? Yeah. I mean, what, what's, what do you think? I mean, I, I always opt for the most obvious explanation and it was going to be like a confession of love. That's what I initially thought, but I, I, I want to think, I think that maybe it's, it's maybe someone told him about Ray. I don't know. That was the only thing, thing I could think about. Because who, because who, who, who knows at this point? Like at this point in the movie, that's 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 alive. Well, we come to find out somehow Leia and Luke knew. Yeah. Which, God. I mean, I don't know why she would tell him, but that I, that's the only other thing I can think of. Which, why would you wait till like a deathbed <laughs> confession? <laughs> oh, you're about to die. You should know this horrible thing about yourself. Yeah. If you. Have a deathbed confession. It's something about you. Like, it's got to mm. be about Finn. Yeah. Like, you don't on your deathbed say, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, you forgot to turn the lights off in your kitchen. <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, it's always, it's got to be something about Finn. Like, he's got to get it off his chest. And either I love you or it could be, oh, by the way, I'm in love with Rose. But we know in this movie, <laughs> it wouldn't have been that. Yeah. <laughs> not with this character. <laughs> it was not going to be about Rose at all. It's like, Ray, wait, I just want to say that I hate Rose. (laughs) (laughs) Before we all die, I need to get this off my chest. None of us like Rose. With my last breath, I curse Rose. (laughs) (laughs) From hell's heart, I stab at Rose. (laughs) That's the tagline for this movie. (laughs) Poor Rose. I can't for life me figure out why they made a big thing of it to then leave us hanging. Getting harder and harder to defend choices here. <laughs> hey, hey, wanna 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 Before we leave the party planet, right, we get this idea that that three PO can read the dagger but can't say it. Mm-hmm. I think this is a great gag. Yes. It's uh, it's it's so fun with 3PO. The the chatter mouth that he that he can't talk yeah. is so much fun. I, I like 3PO still having like, you know, like vestigial programming from like the Republic days still like floating around in there that survive, you know, memory wipes and, and this and that. Yeah, it's like the fourth law of robotics yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of that like he can't impersonate a deity in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> That's the fifth law of robotics. so that sets up a lot of fun our gang has to go find a way to 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 dig this thing out of 3po's brain Mm -hmm. uh but before that we have to get a little north by northwest (laughs) homage (laughs) 
I mean, this is kind of fun, I guess. Um, the, the, the fun part was when, well, Kylo Ren just died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's very lucky to be coming out of that wreck. I know, and Ty has great, great uh, safety ratings. From five stars <laughs> all around. Did you ever have any of those, like, crash dummy toys as a kid? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kylo Ren's, like, head, like... You know, rock 'em, sock 'em robots up. Yeah, like the, the eyes shoot out and like stuff, his ears <laughs> shoot off his his, his arm, his limbs just fall off. <laughs> so, so yeah, we got to go to the uh, the ship that's been sitting out in the desert for however many years it's been and fire that bad boy right up. Hey, you can launch any ship that's been out in the desert or out under the ocean, no matter how long it's been there, Chris. <laughs> And then, so while she's facing down Kylo, they're getting the ship going. And then, Chew, they'd send Chewie to go get her. Is that right? And then Chewie yeah. gets captured. Is that, am I, is that right? Am I remembering this wrong? Yes. And the then, scene being loaded onto the ship. Yeah. So, yeah, we see Chewie getting loaded onto the, onto the ship along with the dagger, which he apparently had in his bag. I mean, admittedly, if anyone wants to take a dagger home, it's going to be Chewbacca. That's true. We get the uh, the Kylo Ray tug of war here. Yeah. It worked, and we worked, see that worked, ship blow worked, up. Worked out so well last time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Every tug of war they have blows up. Yeah. <laughs> I like how at the reveal that it turned out Chewbacca wasn't on it. Like, well, no love lost for the people that were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was the uh, first order orphan transport. <laughs> <laughs> right before it blows up, the camera zooms in to see the roses in the transport. <laughs> it spun in. There were no survivors. <laughs> right. Yeah, so we've heard that. I think we heard from Palps earlier that oh, Ray's not who you think she is to Kylo, and we get some some forced lightning action here. Was was there? I don't know. What were you thinking at this point? From from that line, I was like, oh, crap. She's going to be, like, related to Palpatine. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the part of my brain that was ignoring that thought this was really great. It was very Anakin-esque, you know, this I'm, I'm ostensibly trying to save someone I love, but in the process of doing that, I'm killing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that... If anything, I wish the movie had had more time to dwell on this. Yeah, it's it's yeah. You you, you think Chewie's might conceivably be dead for all of ten seconds? I think. I mean, so we had our prediction, draft yeah. <laughs> our death pool, and if you remember, I predicted Chewbacca dying by explosion. Yeah, and so there was part of me that when it happened was like, yes. <laughs> Point for me. I was like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if they do Chewie this dirty, killing him like this, but I can see it. And also, damn it, Scott, damn it. <laughs> yeah, we were both there. And then Thirty minutes later, without Chewbacca's alive, I'm like, oh man, I even had the bonus point. <laughs> I even called him dying by explosion. I, I'm inclined to give it to you, to be honest. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I thought it was cool. I thought it was a fun way of showing. Ray being tempted by the dark side of the force. Mm. I don't know what your thoughts were. Yeah, just the the loss of control. 
you know, in, in other movies where we got, you know, characters tempted by the dark. So I feel, I feel like, you know, like you were saying earlier, this is one of the more, we get that kind of logical progression here in this movie, like towards, towards the temptation. Apparently dead Chewbacca aside, the gang has to go from the party planet to best I can remember. The name of this planet is delicious Korean food planet. Kimchi. I believe that's correct. Kimchi, Kamiji, Kajimi. I can't uh, quite place it. Yes. Let's, let's go with all, let's just use them interchangeably. And everything on this planet's pretty fun, right? Yeah. Tibetan mountain, mountain kind of architectural style kind of thing. Like, uh, I don't know, how, how would you describe it? That sounds pretty good. I, I was so like engrossed in it. I, I have a hard time even like totally remembering. And it was all the kind of nighttime, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, something very Eastern. We have some, some subterfuge running around. We meet up with, uh, old Carrie Russell. And yeah, I mean, fun, fun settings. We get Babu Frick has to like, you know, dig out 3PO's memory. I'm, I'm digging Babu Frick. I don't know about you. I want love Babu Frick MVP Babu Frick. Uh, I'd agree. I don't know if it's uh, I don't know if he's gonna dethrone Baby Yoda, but yeah, Babu Frick. He's M- not that close to my heart, but he's he's in that that uh, that ballpark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and all this three PO stuff is great. I love the the first setup where three PO says like you know like oh this this one method, but only you know only these horrible people do that, and you know Finn and Poe immediately say like well, let's do that, that. and then. <laughs> Yes. I love the, the 3PO, like, right before it happens, yeah. like, oh, yeah, I have another idea. Yeah, yeah this, this this whole 3PO stuff was great. Just him, like, this, just the horrified <laughs> reactions to everything. We we could have had a fun little, like, when 3PO rebooted, like, hello, hello, Master Anakin. Like, 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 like <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved that when he first comes online. Yeah, do, do, oh, yeah. do the factory reset on 3PO, something like that. Thank the maker. This oil bath is going to feel so good. Um, so, yeah, I guess the Empire is able to track our heroes here because of plot. Yeah, I mean, the First Order was already, I guess, I don't know, rounding rounding people up when they got there. But so it never is explained how they know they're there, is it? Throw that one on the pile. <laughs> well, I think the way that they know is that right before... Uh, Ray and Finn and Poe left Pasana. Mm-hmm. They left a dagger that was inscribed with the location of where they were going. <laughs> Moving right along. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> there's no water in this well. Let's just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so this leads to our team having to break Chewbacca out of the Star Destroyer. And I also think this leads to a lot of fun. So yeah, apparently the first order to have these like coins that just get you onto ships. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. It's like the um, it's like the papers in Casablanca. The like yeah, once they're signed, exactly. you just have to let anyone out. Mm-hmm. Exit visas. They've got yeah, signed exit visas. That's it. I mean, yeah, whatever. This planet is a little Casablanca esque. Yeah, I was, I was, I was leaning towards that way. It was a lot of a lot of roundups. Didn't get to see uh, Rick's American Cafe. That's it, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, that's where Babu Frick is in the back of, of Rick. Everybody goes to Rick's. Everybody goes to Babu's. <laughs> Even, do you know who was at that cafe, Chris? No, there's so many cameos I apparently missed. Who who was there? 
John Williams. Really? I'm like 90% sure okay. they zoom in on a guy who either wins the John Williams lookalike contest or he's in that scene. <laughs> That's pretty great. So, um, so yeah, they, they board the, the Star Destroyer, and I think this is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I think everything on here is fun. The breaking Chewie out, the, I think his name is General Pride. Yes, you're, you're correct. Him, I think the Hux reveal that he's the traitor, all the way down to, I know this is skipping ahead a bit, to, to Pride's shooting Hux. Yeah, I mean, it's, of all the ways to end it, I think that was pretty fun. Yeah, I, I like everything on the Star Destroyer. Um, at the moments when I like this movie least, I realize I'm forgetting about the Star Destroyer stuff that I think is really good. We discover Kylo Ren has like a very uh, very clean modernist aesthetic to his uh, his living quarters. Yeah, very like Camino. What are your thoughts about this continued force timing that they have that seems to have accelerated from Last Jedi? to now the point that they can even fight each other. Yeah. I mean, I thought, um, I guess did Snoke, I mean, I guess gave them the impression that he was facilitating it before, but I mean, either that wasn't the case or they're, they have the ability to do it now without him. My head canon is that Snoke initiated it, but then that some deeper connection they have in the force made it move beyond what Snoke ever intended it to be. So, it, you know, so as, as time's gone on, it's progressing more and more to where they're, there's have interactions and they gain, they can stuff can pass from, from one to the other or, mm-hmm. or be inferred that way. Yeah. Cause doesn't some water get on Kylo Ren in last Jedi? Uh, that's yeah. I was, I was thinking about that, but when Luke does it at the end, he obviously can't make any kind of contact. That's right. So it seems like they have some sort of very special connection that they can pass artifacts back and forth. And to the point they even have this fight. Luke's didn't seem tied to anyone in particular since he was just kind of wandering around a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's my sort of headcanon on why, you know, the exertion of that killed Luke. But this is something that doesn't seem that it, it doesn't take anything out of them. They're not, it's not them doing it. They're exerting nothing to do this. Okay. I like that. I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts about that? No, I mean, I think it's pretty neat. It's a pretty fun way to, you know, you have Ray in Kylo's quarters and Kylo down on the planet where, where Ray just was is fun. And the, the, the Vader reveal of, you know, Kylo just quietly, uh, accepting that that was, that was where they were. Of all the, you know, the sillier ways they could have, you know, been found out on the Star Destroyer, I think that was probably the most appropriate. If you just wanted to really complain about things, you could say the same trick was used twice, like that this gave away their location twice, but I don't, it doesn't bother me at all. No, I mean, it seems to be, it's not like, I don't think either one of them is necessarily initiating it, like you were saying, it just seems to sort of happen, maybe at inopportune moments, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which we could imagine a lot worse yeah, I know. moments. <laughs> <laughs> I think visually it's really cool. Maybe not random, but just this only certain objects passing through and mm-hmm. the uh the the nice the cool shots there of like when they're attacking like from you know swapping swapping backgrounds that kind of thing. Yeah, that's the part that I really like. Just the that from Kylo Ren's perspective they're fighting on this surface, but from Ray's perspective they're fighting on this other one and this sort of back and forth. I think it's it's just visually 
very neat in a, in a way that, again, like we're on episode nine now, how do you do a lightsaber fight that's interesting? They gave us that. No mean feat. And we get the official reveal previously, too. I'm sorry. About Ray being the Emperor's granddaughter. Oh, did we get that? It was right before, they, I think, they escaped in the Falcon off the ship. Wow, shows you how impactful this reveal was yeah, know, that right? we don't remember where the movie had occurred. Uh, it's like where did where did Vader say he was Luke's father? Was it was it on <laughs> on the Star Destroyer or something? Or Hoth, Hoth maybe. Um, <laughs> well, we obviously need to collect our wits, Chris, and we're bringing up Palpatine. So let's tell the, the good folks what we're drinking tonight. This may be the reason why we can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Medium dry martini, lemon peel, shaken, not stirred. 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 Three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of Kina Lily. Shake it over rice and then have a thin slice of lemon peel. Yes, sir. Chris had an excellent idea to, uh, in honor of our favorite back from the dead, Sith, to drink uh, a very classic cocktail, the Corpse Reviver Number Two. Yeah, I think you've been wanting to, to do this for a while, so this is this is seemed, seemed like a great opportunity. I was gonna say, just so yeah, for your classic Corpse Reviver Number Two, uh, you're gonna want a uh, preferably served straight up without ice, uh, just in a cocktail glass. But uh, you want to combine about three quarters of an ounce of gin, three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice. Uh, three quarters of an ounce of Contro, or I guess any orange liqueur, and then three quarters of an ounce of uh, Kinalile, uh, Amber Vermouth, something like that, and then just a dash of absinthe. What did you end up going with, Scott? I'm curious. Uh, well, I had the Lilith, uh from last month. Perfect. <laughs> which is, you know, rapidly deteriorating in my refrigerator, so it was a perfect reason to try to use that. Yeah, so that worked out well. Are you cool with calling this one the, the Sith Reviver? Yeah, I like that. Very appropriate. <laughs> yeah. So we thought maybe just to add that extra tint of, of evil, you could cut a circle of like a blood orange and let it float on, float on top. Yes. That, that Palpatine twist. Sith Trooper Red right in there. <laughs> oh, nice. I like that. Yeah, I'd never had one of these before, and I thought it would be too sweet, and it wasn't. Yeah, the um, it's it's really, really, well, I guess, balanced out like the... Uh, I guess if you just using like a drier gin and, you know, the lemon juice kind of take away some of the sweet of the liqueurs. So I am a, a big fan of this cocktail. It's something I would feel very good about ordering if I was at like a high-end bar. My wife even came in and kept stealing some some drinks from mine earlier. <laughs> See, this podcasting thing's paying off. <laughs> After I made her go to the liquor store and buy the yeah. episode. <laughs> so we're, we're breaking even on that one. <laughs> I don't know. I know I'm at level zero. I don't know. I am, I am the same boat. Want to take a quick break and get some more? Sure. All right. So they're off to to the the ocean moon, right? Yep. The ocean. I like it. They like the indoor has like a different moons, like a beach biome. Right. They meet Jana. Jana. Yeah. Let's go with one of those. <laughs> they meet Jana. She's cool. And Ray's gonna leave them to take a, a skiff out to the floating Death Star. Oh, I forgot yeah. what I was gonna say. That stupid knife <laughs> has an outline of the Death Star 
that could only possibly line up from one specific uh, location I, along miles oh of coast. God. She's standing there. I'd forgotten about that. Oh my god, I'd forgotten about that. Like what? It is totally needless. There's no reason to have that feature there. I kind of wish she hadn't reminded me about that. <laughs> this dagger uh, will always stab us, Chris. Yeah, and like as the ocean erodes. <laughs> The Death Star wreckage. This view will never change. And yeah, she's at the right, exact right tide. Uh, exact. Yeah. And the the Falcons conveniently crashed, landed for whatever reason, and uh, yeah. So we're it's, it's jet boat time. Kylo is also able to track them here again. Yeah, because of Re- plot reasons. Um, we God. we find the Emperor's. Uh, I don't know. Sith cave or whatever. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, right. He had he had the uh, I don't know. He had the the Dagobah cave excavated and brought here. Yes, brick by brick. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> like the guy that that brought the uh, the gargoyles to New yeah. York from Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we got a scary cave fight, mm-hmm. like Luke got. A more cynical person could think was shot just to put into a teaser. <laughs> but not us, Scott. And not us. <laughs> uh. And uh, after that, she's confronted by our, our buddy Kylo Ren, right? Yep, yep. Um, Wayfinder gets gets broken. Kylo Ren's back in a, in a brand new TIE fighter. <laughs> but I'm sure we'll be, we'll be fine going forward. <laughs> Yeah, these TIE Fighters, they don't last long. I, I like his little smash the Wayfinder. That's pretty fun. Like a you're stuck with me now kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, they start duking it out. Some Leia contact in here, right? They've been dueling it up for a little bit. That is needlessly narrated by our old buddy Moscanata. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> It's like a nature documentary. Like Leia is now going to contact <laughs> Kylo Ren. Like, like, why are you telling us this? I mean, it, she's in between labor disputes. I mean, she doesn't really have a lot going on, Scott. She's got to make those ends meet. Well, that's my theory: is that the Resistance fighters were considering uh, organizing, <laughs> and Leia brought uh, Maz in to to sow discord and prevent prevent the Union push <laughs> yeah. from happening. <laughs> <laughs> she gets results like why is she Maz even in this movie I don't know. that makes no sense I have no idea we, we do get some some of the I don't know maybe the, some of the better lightsaber combat in this new trilogy here this is nice this is really nice it's a cool setting it reminds me of Anakin and Obi-Wan fighting on the lava yeah mm-hmm. I like the idea that Kylo, either by virtue of being a better duelist or by virtue of being in the right frame of mind, is clearly better than her at this point. Mm. And he's not fighting to yeah to kill, kill her, yeah. right? He's just fighting to, like, it's just like rope-a-dope. Like, he's just trying to wear her out yeah. so that he can convince her. A lot of times, if you think too hard about lightsaber fights, they don't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, someone would get cut before five minutes of fighting with a sword. Mm. I mean, I've, I mean, we've all have to overlook that because it's so darn fun to watch. But this actually sort of like disputes that a little bit. Like one of them is purely fighting defensively when he's actually swinging. Like he he wants it to be blocked just to wear her out. Yeah. It's a fun fight. So Leia distracts him 
right? And then that's when he gets stabbed? Yeah. And then the force heal, is that right? Yes, that's correct. It seemed like Ray maybe caught it a little bit after Kylo. Otherwise, I'm not sure she would have impaled him, maybe. Right. Um, maybe there's your reason for the uh, the heal there. I took the heal to be a step back away from the dark side. Like, a, yeah. oh, God, I just I just killed this guy in anger. Mm-hmm. And then we get the, the Han Solo vision, right? Yeah. Um, this seems like it was, I mean, I, I know for obvious reasons it couldn't have been Carrie Fisher, but it seems like this this was probably something that was originally written with, with her in mind. Maybe as a force ghost or something like that. That's kind of the impression I got. I think you're right. And I think it's a much better movie that that wasn't the case. I love the idea that the thing that ultimately turns Kylo Ren is internal to him. Right? So Han Solo comes back. Kylo says, you're just a memory. And Han says, I'm your memory. So maybe for once a happy accident. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, absolutely. The, the, absolutely. The movie's better in spite of what it originally intended. <laughs> I, th- I do think this scene, which is one of the, which is in my opinion, which I think people, you know, lots of people should disagree with is one of the best scenes in the movie. I think succeeds in spite of the intentions of, of the creators for the reasons you've said, I love the idea that, that what turns Kylo is internal to it's, you know, it's all his experiences create this kind of memory. And, by that, he is able to learn from them. And I think that is a much richer chapter in a story than just a go- than just the ghost of Christmas past comes and shows <laughs> Ebenezer Scrooge that he used to be nice mm-hmm. or something. I think this scene is so good that it makes me like that scene that I hated in Force Awakens when Kylo kills Han... That it leads to this payoff makes me retroactively like that scene more. Yeah. And that's that's quite an accomplishment because I really didn't like that. We even get um, oh, the old I know what I have to do dialogue. Don't know if I have the strength. I think I think almost word for word replayed back. So that inspires Kylo Ren to, to throw his lightsaber into the sea like Robin Williams hurling his cell phone at the end of Hook. <laughs> Ray makes off with Kylo's ship conveniently with the uh, the wayfinder still plugged in, and but I think also goes back to uh, or decides just to go to Octu instead. Is that right? Yeah, I think the the horror of of what she's done and the sort of growing darkness within her convinces her that she needs to like all the Jedi, like all the great Jedi's before her, go into to Jedi exile. A, a new Dagobah. I'm sorry, <laughs> right? I, I used the correct name. Yeah, right. This is We Serve Droids. It's New Dagobah. But her resolve lasts all about five seconds. Yeah, we get uh, get, uh, Force Ghost Luke interacting with, uh, I think think she lands, torches torches the the TIE Fighter immediately. Yeah. TIE Fighters aren't long for this world. And we get get the fun throwaway line from Luke about, uh, what, about Jedi weapons being treated with respect how do you how do you feel about that this was grown number three yeah, for me chris <laughs> i think i had two earlier this is number three uh. i mean this scene gave me a porg i can't complain about that uh <laughs> you got what you wanted now leave <laughs> <laughs> aren't you happy now yes. <laughs> you wanted this didn't you i'm crying in the corner <laughs> 
Yeah, that saber thing. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how charitable to treat this stuff. But I, I feel like I feel like when when like when J.J. Abrams made this list of of things to get back at Ryan Johnson for, this was number one. <laughs> I know. It's uh, like God, you must be very petty to like have written this in. Yeah. First, the lightsaber accidentally cuts Rose's head off, and then Luke catches it. He catches it, and then just throws the head <laughs> on the table, uh, like like that three, like that horned guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then Luke's whole speech just feels very like Saturday morning special to me. <sighs> I have expected Luke to tell Ray that drugs aren't cool. <laughs> Only Sith do drugs, Scott. <laughs> Uh, so we get that. We get the flashback of Leia force training. I don't know if you have any thoughts about any of this. Surprisingly okay with the, uh, I'm guessing what was like a full CGI, like young Luke and Leia in that little flashback there. It looks there. good. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, and then uh, once again, like a, a ship that's been parked underwater for, you know, for 20, 30 years, however long it's been, fires right up. I love you. I know. I love you. I, I, I know. I think my fourth and fifth groans are upcoming, though. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of room up here for groans. We'll see. We'll see what exactly does it. I don't remember what... Everything's coming pretty fast and furious here. Yeah, it's, it's dense. The, 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 the story, while I've objected to a lot of elements of the plot up to now, I think it's gotten it to us... We're, we're at least at a pretty fun spot where our heroes are in three groups, all independently going to the same place. Right? Ray is going to Exegol using Kylo Ren's Wayfinder. That's right. And then Kylo is going to go there because unlike the Sith Hunter, he just knows how to go back to where he was without needing a treasure map, mm-hmm. Zelda quest. And our heroes need to go there to blow up the, the Sith fleet. I like to think of Kylo like frantically looking around the wreckage for like a still working TIE fighter. Yeah, so I guess that's right. Is that what he does? He flies an old, an old classic TIE? That's, that's what I, that's, I guess what I'm, I guess we're meant to believe, but, uh. I don't know. <laughs> Sturdy. Sturdy. Sturdier than we're led to believe elsewhere. Sturdy really to believe with hyperdrive that we're led to believe it does it have. That's right. Yeah. That- TIE fighters don't have hyperdrive. Hoverboards don't work on water, <laughs> McFly. Yeah. Uh, but, I don't know, maybe maybe shoehorned one in there off, off of it. He assembled one from parts in the, uh, in the, uh, the Death Star wreckage. Drone number four, Chris. Which which was? Uh, I don't know. Four and five are right in close together. The reveal that the Star Destroyer fleet are all mini Death Stars. The Death Star. Death Star. The Death Star. This Death Star. The Death Star. The Death Star. The Death Star. Another Death Star. The Death Star. We call it the Death Star. Oh, yeah. That may have happened. That may have been a lot earlier in the movie. Yeah, I can't remember. They blow up. They blow up. Um. I've got the Joker doing with it, so I'm trying to think of something funny to say. Uh, let's see. They, 
they, they, <laughs> we don't know the name. We're the worst at this. They blow up. Uh, what, they blow up the kimchi planet, right? Oh, that's what yeah. it was. <laughs> I, I was going to try and like just say say some other type of like Korean dish or something, but I was I, I didn't want to go down that road. Right? Yeah, that turns into us turning it. That turns into us becoming the 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 uh, what was new gun right? Oh, <laughs> just a uh, racist caricature. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Nemordians, they become Nemordians very fast yes. when we start trying to ad lib Korean terminology. Yeah. But I think, I think I thought it was the kimchi planet that got blown up. Whenever that happened, that made me groan. I couldn't remember where it was. Uh, so then that was way earlier. And then groan number five. Scott, it's, it's a Death Star destroyer, Scott. Come on. <laughs> nice. I like that. Going to call JJ and get a job now. <laughs> Grown number five, I'm pretty sure it's around here, was the, uh, exp- <laughs> like, explaining the holdo maneuver. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Gee, uh, just- <laughs> we've, I think we've, we've beaten Hyperspace's dead horse corpse enough at this point. But, yeah. Or the movie has. It feels like the movie is talking to a certain kind of fan at this point. Yeah. That it also ignores... That- one, I'm not that kind of fan, but if I was that kind of fan, I would still be mad about the way hyperspace was treated earlier. Yeah, it's so this movie is talking out of both sides of its hyperspace mouth. I mean, it's, it just—it's not gonna. You just—it's—it'd be—you'd be better served just to ignore that type of fan <laughs> altogether. I—I I mean, I wish that this movie ignored that type of fan, but it seems like, like, judging by poor Rose, this movie was made for that fan. Man. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't put Rose into one of those X-Wings that gets shot down like, immediately. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> she just porkins it right out of yeah. the <laughs> And don't forget to give my love to Rose. Ray's confronting Palpatine, right, at this point. Uh, oh, yeah, up on eczema? Yep. Really bad eczema. So... This is where things get weird, right? <laughs> well, weirder, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've used the term like this before, but I can't remember exactly what I said. Uh, one of our listeners, Devor, described this kind of stuff as weird force. Oh, you talking about the uh, force vampire stuff that's coming up? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whenever it gets real magical, it's like weird force. Like, yeah. uh, I don't know how, how much you followed any of the cartoons, but like the Mortis arc on Clone Wars or the Bendu and Rebels, um, this is all kind of weird force. Fantasy force, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Force mm-hmm. magic. Before we get to that, just I enjoyed the when uh, Ben's fighting the Knights of Ren at this point. I guess for shortly before this. I, I, I enjoyed the uh, the lightsaber handoff there. I thought that was fun. That was cool. His little like bow when he gets yes. it. Like, oh, now I get to kill you. That was great. Yeah. Whoever's idea that little little bow was uh, deserves some kudos. That was beautiful. I mean, I, I secretly hope it was a uh, it was Adam Driver's idea, but and it's a it's a fun play off of you know for all the other side of this we've said it is a fun play off that throne room scene in Last Jedi. Oh yeah, the the Snoke the she she will yeah, yeah, yeah. where they're kind of passing the lightsabers back and forth. 
to have used this uh, force time setup to do that, I think was really cool. That they have now, like, achieved, you know, escape to Witch Mountain twin status, <laughs> that they can manipulate uh, this thing that's been happening to them. But, oh, man, is that a double-edged sword? The uh, the old connection there, <laughs> as, we, as, yeah. as we now find out. Some some CG artists had to like spend probably months of his life like looking at like Palpatine hands and having the fingers grow back. What 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 kind of institution do you think that person is in right now? <laughs> oh, he's totally at Arkham Asylum for the criminally insane now. <laughs> that was so great. That was gross with that guy's head on the table. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. So, did you get the the impression like the, the link they shared some some very rare. Force thing, something like that. It was kind of a, I think, a throwaway line from Palpatine before you decided to chow down there. I don't know. Yeah. Do they get called like a dyad or yes, something? It was it was just really there and gone, but that's I kind of got that impression. Everything going on now is just full bonkers. Palpatine's plan is apparently to get Rey to come and, and like you said, kill him. Apparently all the Sith live in, live in the Sith that kills them. Yes, so then they'll all go live in Ray. I, I feel like I've seen some people online reading this in a different way. Like some people thought they would be like he would just possess her, uh, but I don't read it that way at all. No, I, I didn't get that impression. I mean, th- that would make more sense since I can't really see Palpatine doing all this work to then just die. I don't know. Yeah, this makes it out like he's way more dedicated to the Sith calls than I had thought before. Yeah, I don't see him as putting Sith above, or putting anything above Palpatine. <laughs> it makes the whole rule of two thing make more sense in retrospect. The idea that, like, you keep having this institution that sort of incentivizes apprentices to murder masters. Mm-hmm. Like, when maybe that's what they want, ultimately. Yeah, for that immortality, the Sith, immor- Sith force ghosting or Sith live in your head kind of thing. But then that plan goes right out the window when <laughs> he he discovers that... It's like, oh, what have we here? So, is that what's so? This plan is obviously decades in the making <laughs> and extraordinarily resource rich, and they build like a hundred mini, you know, hundred star death, death star destroyers. Like, if Palpatine's been established as this like master planner manipulator, like knows everything going on, like, <laughs> right. like we're, we're wondering if like minor details in Episode One were like engineered by him. <laughs> And then now, it's like, oh, oh, shit. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. the two things about this. First, it seems like when she's like, no, it's like, okay, I guess I'll kill you. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's not give up on this plan quite yet. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, wait a minute. You mean I get to live forever and not die? Like, uh, I'll take all of the above, please. It just, like, on the fly realizes that, oh, it turns out I can, like, Drink these two guys out of a straw yeah. and regrow my fingers. <laughs> I bet those guys that have been keeping them alive felt like real assholes <laughs> when they saw like how good this worked and how bad of a job they'd been doing. They've just been rubbing lotion on them for the past <laughs> four thirty years. Hey, I'll tell you, when it comes to like the Palpatine staying alive technology, what what goes around comes around from his like a uh, Vader Frankenstein lab. Yeah. <laughs> There's this, like, great cloud of witnesses around them. Yeah. What are those guys? Uh, yes. Um, 
I don't know. My, my, my thought was like they're kind of maybe like Sith, Sith spirity, ghosty kind of stuff that just kind of live in the temple. I didn't wasn't inclined to believe they were like actual like corporeal beings. I saw this movie with my dad, and and he took your route. I thought that at first, but then later I thought they were just the guys that must have built those Star Destroyers. And That's another equally valid point. <laughs> they're just the guys that live there, came for the show. Yeah. What are the benefits here to being like a Palpatine alkalite? <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a good it's life. This, you know, 18-hour days building Death Star Destroyers and like like the... <laughs> The the one matinee whenever whenever he can lure his granddaughter back here. If anyone needs Moscanata services, <laughs> it's it's Palpatine over here. Uh, have they all been promised that uh, if we work together, I'm sure we can <laughs> discover the secrets. Um, yeah. Uh, so I don't know who those guys in the stands are. So there's also a space battle going on. We even discussed uh, the yeah, space right. battle. Yeah, you get uh apparently Star Destroyers can't fly up without you know <laughs> constant um <laughs> constant communication from whatever that satellite dish thing was. Cause they built a hundred Star Destroyers <laughs> and only one radar. Yes, exactly. <laughs> built a hundred radars and only ninety nine Star Destroyers. <laughs> Uh, it's up to Imperial Code. That's all you need to know. <laughs> right. Does it have a, a bottomless shaft? All right, Check. good. Should we build another thing? Nope, only need a bottomless shaft. Check. Yeah, I, I'm, I was just more surprised that the First Order had some kind of like backup apparatus or something that they didn't use. Yeah, that General Pride even had anything to do was at least, at least something. Yeah. Lando shows up with all the ships in the galaxy... Again, because of, I don't know. Uh, this one I'm willing to give because Lando is so smooth. That kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. He just pulled out his Rolodex, his little black book. <laughs> opens like an open channel to everyone's like, hello. Yeah, Leia's call to the Outer Rim goes unanswered, but Lando's gets every ship in the galaxy. No one refuses Billy D. Williams. <laughs> Cold 45. Works every time. Apparently, if you just shoot the guns, <laughs> the Star Destroyers explode. Uh, don't need shields for reasons. Or they don't work for reasons. Here's a question, Chris. Mm-hmm. At the very beginning of the movie, the Emperor tells Kylo Ren, Hey, bring me Rey, and you get this fleet. Kylo, to his credit, wants to double-cross the Emperor. And, of course, the Emperor knows this in advance. That's all fun. Why does Kylo not just bring the full might of the First Order to come and steal the ships? Yeah, I mean, there was this was even kind of hinted at. I think when during that First Order kind of roundtable, like they were like wondering yeah. like what what the deal was. Even I feel like that would have been a fun thing to just explore in this movie, like some you know Imperial faction infighting kind of thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, like, I, I don't know like what the First Order's status was. I mean, I, I it seemed they seemed to be you know, beefy enough to probably give a give that a good fight there. Given that none of these Star Destroyers can do, like, jack yeah. inside the atmosphere, it should be a pretty easy easy go at it, I would have thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you can headcanon it and say that it, it served as a useful pretext for Kylo to try to seduce Rey. Yeah. Which, hey, it worked! 
<laughs> but I mean, you just like like in, from the first order's objectives, like you you wonder if they even you know need this at this point. I mean, they're running around with you know like swanky new star destroyers and everything else. It's I don't know. It doesn't seem like a. It almost seems like a step back. I don't know. You know, that's actually a really good point. It's hard to see how this conclusion actually gets the resistance any closer to beating the first order than it was before. You've removed an impulsive bad leader. Like Kylo's not a good first order leader, right? So all you've done is you've taken out none of the first order. You took out a fleet that no one knew existed five minutes ago and you remove the bad leader. And I mean, they, they kind of throw it away at the end that, Oh, now the galaxy's rising up against the first order. Like why? Like, good like, luck. Like, where, where, with what? Everything, everything everyone had just, just was at Exegol fighting all this, you know, all these the Death Star destroyers. I mean, like through, through what means are they, is this now happening? Well, even just crazier than that, there's that scene of that Death Star destroyer blowing up outside of Endor. Why is it blowing up? Are they like Christmas tree lights? Yes. And one goes out, they all one, go one out. One goes out, they all go out. This makes no sense. This this podcast went in the direction I meant for it not to go. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard to talk about this movie without with you know and having to jump over these big plot holes without it being weird. Palpatine chucks Kylo Ren down a down a down a pit for and he dies for the third time in this movie. I guess. Do you remember that scene in Misery? And just before the car went off the cliff, he jumped free, and all the kids cheered. But I didn't cheer. I stood right up and started shouting, "This isn't what happened last week. Have you all got amnesia? They just cheated us. This isn't fair." He didn't get out of the cock-a-doody car! That was me in this movie. <laughs> like, I saw the Emperor die. I saw Chewbacca die. I saw Kylan die. I'm not cheering. This is going to end up with uh, you in a remote cabin with J.J. Abrams in a, in a bed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your biggest fan, Mr. Abrams. Oh, so we're, so we're to the point where Ray starts hearing the voices in her head. Oh, yeah, all the uh, Jedis of, of long past, right? So, yeah, we've got this, the great cloud of Sith witnesses, right? We don't know yet if those are all the all the great kings who came before us or if they're just fireflies caught up in that bluish-black <laughs> stuff. And, and now we get the everybody, every Jedi's coming in. I'm bad at voices. I only recognized about two. That's <laughs> like, uh, all right, Yoda. All right, I got Yoda. There's Sam Jackson, and all right, we're, we're done. Yeah, I can recognize Miss Windu because the Jedi uh, diversity is pretty low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Miss Windu had come up and been like, try reflecting his lightning <laughs> at his face. <laughs> I love that that's what kills him in the end. This movie is like revenge of Miss Windu. Palpatine getting lightning reflecting on him is a, is a tradition at this point. I think uh, one of our listeners, Devor, said that they should have thrown in a Kiati Mundi. What about the what about the short attack on the Wookiees? That's going to be the best fan edit oh, ever. It needs to happen immediately. I want to replace all the voiceovers with just 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 the memes, like just like a, a, a hello there. Uh, 
<laughs> I don't like sand. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, Palps gets disintegrated down to the cellular level now, so he can't regenerate anymore or whatever. <laughs> That's right. I wish at the very end of the movie, it had, like, zoomed in on, like, a toenail. <laughs> like, dun-dun-dun. <laughs> then Ray dies for... Yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? Because reflecting lightning hurts. Yes. It's been a long day. And Kylo had climbed up that chasm as quickly as, uh, what's-her-name climbs up the Grand Canyon in <laughs> Rogue One. Oh, yeah. On Edu. Yeah, yeah Jin. Jin's legendary climbing yeah. skills. And, uh, yeah, Force Heals. Yep. Get the big Raylo smooch. Yeah, just, just enough overlap between <laughs> between Resurrection and, and Kylo Die. I actually think very, very satisfying end to, to, to Kylo Ren for, for my money. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And then it's just some, like, you know, end of Return of the King mop-up scenes here. Yeah, not not quite like the 45 minutes of those, but yeah, it's some few. It's a, a bizarre scene between uh, Janna and Lando. Oh, oh, thank you. I almost forgot. <laughs> Ooh, how many times has Lando used that line to you? <laughs> yeah. So I've got three, I've got three options for what's going on right. here. Because, like, where are you from? He's like, I don't know. He's like, you want to find out? <laughs> like, I mean, the most obvious is he's just coming on to her, right? Yeah. This is just a, a ploy. The second option is that he's part of some kind of, like, 23andMe pyramid scheme. <laughs> <laughs> the third option is that Lando has uh, fathered so many children across the <laughs> yes. galaxy that he knows there's a significant chance that she might be his child. Uh, my thought was, I wonder if Lando at this point, when he's when he's uh, out cruising the galaxy, maybe you know genetically tests people just to make sure they're not related, and maybe the, the available pool is getting pretty low at this point. <laughs> it's like the the Genghis Khan of our day. Yes. <laughs> uh. Lando's sexual conquests are the Genghis Khan of Star Wars, <laughs> and then we get the. Uh, the scene there on the old Lars homestead. Uh, it wouldn't be Star Wars that a nice visit to Tatooine. So what do you think about this this local person in the barren ways of the Dune Sea just happening to be wandering by? Is she a g- g- ghost? <laughs> like, why is she there? She's got to run those kids out of the old Lars homestead so she can buy it cheap from the bank or something like that. <laughs> I think I've mentioned a few things he said. And I think it was Devor that, that also made the joke about the scene that um, on the old Lars plantation, Ray's not the first person to have to change her last name. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, it's horrible and great. Uh. Oh, I, I almost forgot Chewie finally gets his medal. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. There, there's another, uh, another fanboy appeasement there. Yeah, so I mean, was this movie? I mean, it really was, right? It really was. It really was talking at the other movies. Yes. Where are you taking this? Ultimate power in the universe. Where are you taking this? Sad devotion to that ancient religion. Where are you taking this thing? I mean, I've complained all about this dagger business. So I saw this movie with my dad. He said how. Most of the Star Wars movies have pretty simple plots. Get the plans to the Rebels and then use the plans to blow it up. Break 
Han out of Jabba's and then go blow up the second Death Star. Not a lot of moving parts. He said how he likes that, but he also doesn't mind a complex plot as long as thinking through the complexity pays off. Yes. And his example was like Memento or The Prestige. Yeah, we we do not get that payoff here. No. I felt like, you know, after the movie, he and I were doing all sorts of mental gymnastics to figure out the plot in a way that didn't really go anywhere. And to compare that to something like Return of the Jedi, you know, we've, we've talked about it, we've joked about it, and I mean, you've probably had me convinced, but, you know, you can make the case that the, the Han Solo rescue plot and Return of the Jedi doesn't hold up under scrutiny, but the movie doesn't ever try to act like it does. The movie just says, like, look, we're going to, we're going to save Han and we do it. And maybe the way we get there is, is more convoluted than it's supposed to be, but it doesn't act like a complicated plot. Doesn't act like a complicated plot, but there's no there there. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, it's uh, it, it could have like it could have been simplified and, and really lost nothing. Yeah, your point earlier off about like look, just nix one of the MacGuffins, like easy. And I, I wonder if I don't know. I wonder if there just wasn't enough time. Did the production schedule wag the dog here? I mean, I know it went through, I mean, a little bit of, you know, had its fair share of maybe creative issues. Um, and then I think there were, I think several maybe endings and alternate scenes were tested and stuff like that. And different people were brought in to consult here and there. And I mean, understandably, it's a pretty, you know, big movie and, you know, in terms of it just being like a, you know, a main numbered Star Wars movie and then like the end of this this sequel trilogy and the Skywalker saga. So, but I can't begin to, I don't know, dissect like why some decisions were made. It feels, uh, this is, this is the horrible analogy. It feels like one of those, like, um, sort of like trace the dots kind of pictures, something like that. Like it, so it has, it has these points that it feels like it has to get to. And it's going there very directly and maybe a little haphazardly. And the end picture doesn't really look like the thing that it's supposed to be. It's, <laughs> like it's, I love that. So, so, I love something that. like that. Like it's like, I feel like they just like, it's the script was just a bunch of bullet points and everything else was just, I don't know, details. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mentioned how, I just because I hate the debate around the last Jedi and I don't want to relitigate that at all. Uh, I hate to keep comparing it, but it, it's just hard not to with this movie. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the I mean immediately preceding movie. I mean, it, it for better or worse set up everything you know for this movie. But I think like I don't feel that way about Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back. Like I can talk about one without talking about the other. I think, and it's hard to do that. Yeah, here. I mean, because I mean, this, this movie can't really stand on its own merit. I read this. I mean, I've actually seen it kind of going around lately, but I remember reading it when Last Jedi first came out, and it was an interview on the website Slash Film about Ryan Johnson's decision to make Ray's parents be nobodies. I can't remember if we've talked about this before or not. I think we may have discussed it briefly, but yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, so well, just briefly, the idea was he came up with every possible way 
every possible solution to the who Ray's parents are, like to down to crazy stuff, like she's a robot. <laughs> and he picked the one that he thought was most difficult for Ray and the viewers to hear at the time, that she's nobody, that puts her in the most difficult place to move on. And writing 101 is put your characters in the worst place and have them get out of it. And I feel like that is Ryan Johnson's way of telling stories. And that's going back to, to Brick, to Brothers Bloom, to Looper, to more recently Knives Out. That's the way he does stories. And I think that a thing that J.J. Abrams is into, I think he's really into setting up a cool mystery mm. and having people wonder what it is and then giving them a big reveal. Who's Snoke? Who is Ray? Why was Luke here? Right. Mm. And I, I don't, I mean, just for me personally, I don't care about, I don't like that kind of storytelling. But I don't mean to demean people who do, because it's big. And a lot of series I like employ some of that. I loved Westworld, and Westworld does some of that. But I sort of love it in spite of that. Um, and so I think you just have these two very competing notions of how to construct a narrative. I think you're, I think you're right. Um, I think Knives Out is even a great example of that. Have you, have you seen it? Yes. So, so like a, like a minor spoiler for it, like the, and. Uh, Rives out of Ryan, Ryan Johnson movie, like the, the, I guess the, the, the method and, you know, the kind of what ha- transpired in terms of the, uh, the murder is revealed what, like 30 minutes into the movie, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Within the first quarter of the yeah. movie, you learn, ha- you learned the who done it. Yes. It's like a uh, Columbo or something where you, where you find out so fast. Yes. And that's a great point. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's, that's a, that's, you know, it's, like, and then from there, you, you get the, like, the, then the story really starts from that point onward. Like, the, mm-hmm. like, the how we got here and, you know, the, yeah, everything else. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. And, and Abrams would never do yeah. that. Um, and again, that's not to say that I'm, I'm not, I don't mean to sound like I'm some sort of Abrams hater. I think Super 8 is great. But boy, did these two ways of thinking about story clash. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned it before, just this whole, this is sort of a new kind of story telling for star Wars, this, you know, national treasure, like search. And it, it really doesn't seem to mix well with star Wars or maybe even the genre itself. So, I mean, I mean, looking at, looking at JJ Abrams, other star Wars effort, I mean, do you, do you feel like this one was, do you feel like, do you feel like this one was maybe taking more chances than Force Awakens did? And just thanks to his style, you know, the, the payoff wasn't there or. That's a great question because Force Awakens was so paint by numbers around the A New Hope plot in a way that this was not that. Yeah. Like this, I mean, like this was not just Return of the Jedi Retread. Yeah, I mean, it had some elements, but it was, yeah, definitely not that. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm starting to be skeptical that maybe Abrams just doesn't know how to tell an ending. Even Super 8, which I like, has kind of a dumb ending. Lost is famous for, or infamous, infamous for its mm-hmm. ending. Um, I don't think as, I mean, I think as Star Trek movies are like fun, but also don't hold up under scrutiny. 
Um, so maybe it was just a, I don't know. I mean, it's weird to get to where he is with this kind of flaw and, and maybe I, I'm, you know, I mean, we're just two idiots. I don't know, but <laughs> I'll, I'll second that. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a great question. It's a great question. I don't know. Did people at Lucasfilm or Disney or the divisiveness of Last Jedi bleed into this? It, it sure feels that way to me, but I mean, who knows? I, I don't want to make those assumptions about Abrams or maybe it was just, and maybe he he had a, a lot of these intentions from the get go, and then just had to even couldn't give up on them and had to even more shoehorn them in. You know, when the middle chapter took a hard left. Building on that, do you think the sequel trilogy would have been better served if maybe there were some hard and fast like plot points like hammered into stone from the get go that whoever they got to direct these movies would have had to incorporate into? I mean, do you feel like there was there was too much free reign with some of the decision making in in I mean, really really eight and nine as opposed to seven? I've heard this, and I just don't know. I don't know. Um, it's an easy it's an easy thing to think, but you could you could do that and it'd be all really bad. Like there's still a lot in this trilogy I really like, especially for me, especially in Last Jedi. So I mean, you could be in a situation where you do that. And you lose, I mean, I'm someone who doesn't really like Marvel movies. And so I feel like, does that just turn it into Marvel? Yeah. Uh, For people who are Marvel fans, maybe that sounds great. But for me personally, I don't know that that's the best. Or you end up with the prequels. Mm -hmm. And the prequels had a unified vision. And they still, like, kind of tripped over the finish line in in telling this Darth Vader story. I feel like we've gotten some some great stuff out of, you know, maybe the the latitude that you know some of the the directors and producers have had here mm-hmm. just we have to i guess take the good with the bad if that being the case and i, I agree with you about the uh the marvel point like if it's if it's too regimented there's really nothing there's not a lot creatively you have to work with there well i guess we're at that time where we rate things right and our brian mitchell memorial rating <laughs> on a scale from zero stars to i love dvd uh, this might be one of our most difficult asks yet. Do you dare go first with your rating, Chris? Worst Cosmic Wars ever! Academy Award, the best movie ever made. I'm afraid this gets my lowest rating ever. Seven thumbs up. I'll, I'll freely admit this movie had a lot to do. It had a lot to accomplish. I would have... I'd certainly don't want to, wouldn't want him to try to do this. Like Less Jedi, there's a lot of, a lot of highs and lows, but I think the balance is more towards the groany to sort of maybe more mediocre style and some of the holes that we've discussed and yada, yada, yada. So I'm, I'm going to give this an, an IOK DVD. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, I, it, I don't feel like it really left a lot hanging that that's super annoying in terms of you know wrapping up this the skywalker saga here it 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 ticked a lot of boxes but it didn't seem to do a whole lot more than that i'll stick a number on that and i'll say two stars that's lower than i've given most stuff prequels included and right this is an in the moment reaction yeah um so maybe a year from now i'll i'll love it more or hate it more i don't know and I'll say it's sort of a two out of five, uh, two on the I Love DVD scale. 
I, you know, I always try to say that I count the things that I like more than the things I don't like. And I think that that rating takes that into account. Yeah. Again, I felt like I've been such a sad sack on this this episode, but I just I really like the Kylo stuff. Adam Driver is so good in this. Uh, he's gotten better with this character in every movie, and it goes into this one. And I think that was delivered wonderfully. Yeah. I think that where, if you try to look at this as a big, you know, struggle between the Jedi and the Sith, I think it's a pretty fair conclusion to that struggle. You know, you get to to kill the Sith and have the Jedi in a different place. I'll take that. You know, it's a little frustrating. Like, in our prediction episode, I remember saying there were three things I didn't want. I didn't want bad MacGuffins. <laughs> Check. I didn't want another Death Star. Check. Check. I didn't want to drop some of the themes from The Last Jedi like a morally gray world. Check. And so... I mean, I don't feel like I had this grand list of things this movie had to do. I just had a few things I really didn't want to do, and it struck, you know, it struck out on that. And the last one makes me really sad. Yeah. Mm. I mean, all that said, I want to go see the movie again. Oh, yeah. Same here. And I've had a lot of fun tonight talking about yes, it. Yes, absolutely. I had a lot. I mean, I I come at these movies a lot. So I'm, I'm a sports fan, and I'm the kind of sports fan that says that, you ought to be able to enjoy your team even when they lose. And I love Star Wars even when the movie doesn't tell it. There's still so much. I love the world. This is in the world. It gives me fun stuff to think about. It gives us fun stuff to chat about. So I'm I'm always happy to have more Star Wars. Here, here. Especially Baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No matter what, we get we get Mandalorian. Uh, what would surely throw the force out of balance, Chris, is if we ended this episode without picking a fur jacket winner. This was a difficult movie to find one. I don't know if you did or not. I live for furs. I worship furs. Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives it? Oh, please, won't you see my vest? I had a few could have beens. Mm-hmm. I know no one just screamed it for me. I consider John Williams for his cameo and uh, Kim Chi. I considered Maz Kanata because like, what the heck was she doing? But I'm going to go with something that was suggested to me by a friend and listener, Will. And he kind of offered this as his nomination for the fur mm-hmm. jacket. And he's absolutely right, Chris. You know, the actor, I think it's pronounced Dominic Monaghan. Yes. He plays charlie and lost and one of the hobbits in lord of the rings and he's in this movie uh, yeah every scene he is in it is like a like beacon of light spotlight (laughs) envelope like you can't not see him in every single scene and it's like why is he here you're absolutely right why out of like trying to bury rose is this guy in every scene (laughs) that kind of there's also that like other x-wing pilot is kind of like that too but so i'm Inspired by, by my buddy Will, gonna say Dominic Monaghan's character. That's that's who I was thinking of the um the the uh, the how to say this the, the larger X wing pilot. 
Yeah, I didn't know how to say not heavy set, but that's the only kind of way I had to go for it. I started referring to him as Porkins Jr. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's like he apparently is in like a bunch of J.J. Abrams movies, and I I think the only reason he maybe was in this one was he was in some of the Carrie Fisher scenes. So he kind of, oh, so he kind of like, oh, they had already filmed yeah, around them. So like he was in, he was in episode seven. So I think he kind of had to be in it. I wanted to give honorable mention for a jacket to, uh, to Wedge. Uh, did you catch him in the Falcon Gunner seat? Yeah. It was a double take. I had to go home and look it yeah. up. Like, was that I, Lawson or whatever his name yeah, is? Yeah. I forgot to mention that. But yeah, honorable mention to old Wedge Antilles there. I, when, when Lando, Came in on the Falcon and was laughing. I really thought it was going to pan out to have Nian Num laughing in oh, there with him. Great. Someone mentioned that to me afterwards. Like I think, like oh yeah, like I think all his scenes were, you know, all the Carrie Fisher scenes were there. So they kind of had to had to get him back. I had not considered that. Both him and Monahan had this feel of like they won a <laughs> you can be in Star Wars yes. contest <laughs> kind of feel to them. Well, I don't can't possibly imagine we have anything left to say about this. Uh, I think this this space horse is pretty pretty well beaten to death. Yeah, so uh, this will come out. I mean, we have like I'm embarrassed to say to the audience how much audio we've actually recorded on this. We'll see what I can edit it we'll down cut to. This down to the ten minutes of <laughs> discussion. This ends up being. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we'll have stuff coming up. I don't know. Maybe we'll talk more about Mandalorian now that that'll have been all out and more fun stuff for sure. But in the meantime, I would like to, as always, thank Computer Music All-Stars for the music we use in the show. I would like to remind you that you can email us at weservejoys at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 512-WE-SERVE. That's 512-937-3783. And who knows, maybe you'll you'll uh, get featured on the show. You can, of course, uh, find, find us on Twitter and join the Facebook group. And until then, Space Cowboys, I guess is that it? I, I think that's it. We'll, we'll see if we have any listeners left after this. <laughs> That's what J.J. Abrams said. <laughs> I just—I also want to salute you because there's not many people you can throw Escape to Witch Mountain at and, <laughs> and them catch that like a like a force thrown lightsaber. <laughs> Original, not not the remake. Did you ever see Being John Malkovich? Yes, it's been a long time. Did you remember that guy? Like the guy's plan to like. Him and all his friends were gonna go like jump in the closet and become John Malkovich. <laughs> I feel like that was Palpatine's plan here. They were all gonna get to get to be Ray Malkovich. <laughs> you guys look like what do they look like, Jimmy? Dorks. <laughs> they look like a couple of dorks. <laughs>